This podcast covers all things health, your body, your brain, and your well-being. Each week, we'll be joined by doctors, as well as the occasional guest, to talk about the health topics that mean the most to you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So today we're going to talk about uh, Alzheimer's and sleep, and more or less the, the basic concept of what we're going to talk about is, is does Alzheimer's cause sleep problems, or do sleep problems cause uh, Alzheimer's? Kind of, we're going to have kind of a chicken or the egg type of a, type of a discussion here today. And uh, I was just saying to Dr. Gates, depending on, someone asked this yesterday, asked me, do we treat a lot of Alzheimer's? And according to that one classification system that has like seven stages, so probably 90% of our patients would be classified as having some stage of Alzheimer's. Um, we treat a lot of stress, and stress hormones tend to hit something called your hippocampus, and you're going to find out a little bit about the hippocampus today. And, uh, and stress hits that hippocampus, and the hippocampus causes sleep problems. And so there, are, so there are the cycles that hit the hippocampus of different things, and the hippocampus is where your short-term memory is, and it's where I think it's pretty agreed upon that Alzheimer's begins. So, uh, so we see a lot of people with early, I, I forget, walking in the rooms, I, uh, uh, I can't. Uh, I can't find my keys. I don't remember where I put them. I lost my train of thought, and um, I'm starting to get short-term memory loss. My working memory, something like that, which may not be called full-blown Alzheimer's at that point in time, but by that classification system, you're on the way. So we see a lot of people with this, and it doesn't mean that you're going to go there either. And so when we say ninety percent of our patients, they, we're not saying ninety percent have Alzheimer's. We're correct. Just saying, Dr. Rutherford was saying based this on classification, this exactly. You have to look at it. It's yeah. like if you have. Is exactly as you said. If you walk into a room and you don't know you're there, you're like stage one. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. but the point is, is that area is something that we uh-huh. see a, a lot and work with a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and so Dr. Gates is going to talk about that regarding a much more higher classification of that, which would be someone who is inarguably maybe diagnosed with uh, a higher stage of mm-hmm. Alzheimer's. And so sleep in Alzheimer's has been connected and we see uh, it all the time in in uh, in our in our I was going to say our students <laughs> in our patient population, and uh, I know I have my thoughts on it, which I was discussing with Kevin before you got up here. But I think I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on it because your Dr. Gates is do, does all treatment here now, and he gets to observe and have to use these concepts to wade his way through some of these uh, challenging cases. So sleep. Alzheimer's. And what was the article you read last week? Do you remember in Alzheimer's? It was two weeks ago, so no, I don't remember because I'm at stage two. (laughs) 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 I've also had many, many concussions, and there are are certain things that have not come all the way back. Although my short-term memory is much better than it used to be, Mm -hmm. 
because what we do is still, as you well know. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So I think it pertained to Alzheimer's and sleep and something of the nature, I thought, pertaining to rapid eye movement behavioral disorder, something of that nature, like the abnormalities of sleep. So last night I, I dug in and I was looking at the research on it. And for those of you out there, rapid eye movement behavioral disorder is a disorder where most of you have heard of REM sleep. And when we're in REM sleep, we're actually basically, they term it atonic, so like you're kind of like paralyzed. And that helps your brain, for whatever reason, to get more restful. Uh, it's a more restful state. But in certain conditions like Parkinson's disease, uh, multi-system atrophy, which is a type of Parkinsonism, or Lewy body dementia, individuals will go into REM sleep and then they'll start doing seemingly odd behaviors. Like they'll get up and they'll walk around and they may yell. And there was some thought that this was associated with Alzheimer's disease, but that association is not very strong and they're thinking that those Alzheimer's patients who have it probably have Lewy body dementia, so that's one component of it. Now also on the topic of sleep, there has been research, and I think this more pertains to the article that Dr. Rutherford read, where they showed if you are sleep deprived, it increases your accumulation of beta amyloid plaques in the brain quite significantly. So that probably was the study that was being talked about in the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. And beta amyloid plaques- That was are, it. Was that, that was it? it. Okay. Yeah. Beta amyloid plaques are the key protein aggregate, so to speak, that forms in the brain of Alzheimer's patients. And there can be genetic associations as to why that protein forms. Everything else that Dr. Rutherford was saying from blood sugar, uh, definitely blood sugar is probably the biggest factor that we're seeing. Uh, stress hormones clearly damage the hippocampus. I was just looking on this Alzheimer's forum last night and they were talking about, ooh, the memory area is connected to depression anxiety, which we've been talking about for years. Yeah. But the physiology is such that like in depression anxiety, the fear center gets too big and it actually grows into the memory area and that propagates the physiology of depression through cortisol. Alzheimer's is different than that, but again, we're still involving the same ham sandwich of the fear center and the memory center being involved. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, to me it feels like, so some of you out there will say they don't know what causes Alzheimer's because there's that out there, mm -hmm. kind of like half of all peripheral neuropathy is diabetes, which right. there's, which is an incorrect statement. Um, well, maybe not entirely incorrect, but, but there's like 85 different causes of, of, of peripheral neuropathy. Um, to me, it's a, to me, it looks like there's physiology that damages the hippocampus. They're starting to call uh, diabetes type three. Hip, um, they're starting to call Alzheimer's diabetes type three. Stress clearly has an affinity for the hippocampus. Short-term memory loss, can't go to sleep, wake up, can't go back to sleep. You know, so um, I thyroid type Hashimoto's can cause sleep abnormalities, and I don't know if that inflammation has also maybe something to do with it. But, not, I haven't seen that it has, but I'm okay. not saying it won't in the future. But there are, but there are, but there are physiological abnormalities that affect this hippocampus, where it is acknowledged that the Alzheimer starts. It seems to me like that starts. Then you get to sleep. Then the sleep thing goes back and causes like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then it creates this vicious cycle. I don't know if that's it. 
but that's kind of the intuitive observation of the, uh, clinically that I see in, in the patients that are being treated here uh, in their histories and, and, and taking their histories and over a period of time. That may or may not be, but, but they're, they're definitely linked mm -hmm. as far as, as, as that goes. I, I, I would guess it's not, this is not a study, this is me. <laughs> this is me observing a, a lot of different uh, histories that we've taken over a period of time. It just seems like it starts with, with the blood sugar, the stress, they, they damage it. Next thing you know, you start getting sleep problems and somewhere along the line, maybe you throw a couple of other things in there that we're not aware of yet that distinctly affect Alzheimer's uh, and uh, or the creation of, of the damage that causes Al the diagnosis of Alzheimer's. And now you got Alzheimer's and now between that and sleep, maybe you have this perpetuating situation where the, the amyloid plaques are connected and, and that type of a thing. So. Uh, I would I would probably, if you're not sleeping well right now and you don't have Alzheimer's, I'd probably be more concerned about my blood sugar and my stress levels. <laughs> and then later I'll worry about the sleep. But I could be wrong on that, but, uh, but that well, feels kind of like... Yeah. And some of these seemingly complicated diseases start with very, you know, seemingly simple issues like blood sugar, which relates to your diet, which relates to your basically your habits, but a lot of you <laughs> think you're eating healthy and you don't know that you're not eating healthy because the whole, the game has changed in terms of food and what's going on in industrialized societies. And then, you know, we're not sleeping. It's just all these simple things that seem to fall apart that then manifest 30, 40, 50 years later is pretty significant disease process that's not correctable at this point in time by modern medicine. So we thought that might be an interesting topic, given that it hit the airways a couple of weeks ago. Alzheimer's is one of those things that is being researched a lot because they haven't found the cause yet. And so we thought we would kind of put our two cents in there based on what we've observed here. And I hope that might be an interesting bit of information for you today. Yeah. This is important. You want to know how to get better. Now, there's going to be some nuggets in here that are going to help some of you. There's going to be some of you who are like, you know, throwing spitballs <laughs> at, your, at your screen going, wow, this guy's like an idiot. But I'm telling you, these are the basics of how to get better. And if you bypass these, plus the ones we're going to be talking about over the next week or two, you are going to have a hard time getting better at all. And if you get better, you're going to, have, you're going to be the person who has to keep doing it over and over and over again because there are things that are Sabbath. So wrap up this week's presentation. And, and um, I'm here to educate you. We're here to try to answer the questions that we've had over the last, you know, six or seven years or eight years or whatever it's been. And, um, and so please do that. So until next week, uh, I hope you... Uh, if, you're, if you're enjoying this, then, then, you know, please don't miss next week. Next week is kind of a big, big deal in most people's uh, uh, journey to wellness. So, okay, that's it for this week. Thank you for watching again, and uh, take care. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.